It's the B-List on the new 105.5 Sports Live from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios here in Auburn. My name is Aaron Morse. Filling in for Maddie B on this Friday morning. We're on from 10 to noon. Had a great time yesterday at Gridiron Restaurant broadcasting live there. And we're not wasting any time today. Right off the bat, we have a guest on the phone with us. He used to work for the Lewis and Sun Journal, and now he's a sports editor at the Boston Herald. Justin Pelletier joins us this morning. Justin, how is everything? Uh, it's a nice, beautiful, overcast <laughs> winter into spring day here in Boston. So. Winter into spring day. So what are some latest thoughts over you guys have over there about you know the Celtics and everything they've been going through, the ups and downs so far this season in that regard? Well, the Celtics, I... You know, the, the biggest thing this week has been about whether Kyrie Irving should play in the All-Star game this week. And I, I think there's so much blown out of proportion about this. Uh, it, it, it's unbelievable. I understand, you know, he didn't play the last two games on uh, on uh, uh, Tuesday and, uh, and Wednesday uh, into the All-Star break uh, because of an injury. So I understand the optics a little bit look, look bad with it, whether he plays on Sunday or not. But Wednesday to Sunday is, is a pretty long time. It, it, it's, you know, I, I, I really feel like he'd be day-to-day for the Celtics just like he's day-to-day for this exhibition game. Uh, they, he brought his trainer with him, his personal trainer. Uh, the Celtics sent their athletic therapist with him to Charlotte. He's not going to play if the team's doctor says he can't play. And so to me, I think it's just being way overblown, out of proportion, whether or not he plays. Um, everybody's got this whole... Oh my goodness! They're nine and two without him. Maybe they should play without him forever. No, okay. Kyrie Irving makes the Boston Celtics better. He just does. Um, if you look at their points per game with and without him, if you look at their who they've defeated without him, um, it's, a, it's a laundry list of who's not. Um, save for the Sixers the other night, uh, they haven't really played anybody without him uh, that they wouldn't have otherwise defeated, regardless. So. The whole thing is just, it, it's unbelievable. I think the the whole thing is, the fans really don't have, to me, it's a lack of respect for Danny Ainge. And, and that's what blows my mind, is Danny Ainge is widely regarded across basketball as one of the most savvy GMs in the entire game. And yet fans in Boston second-guess everything, and to me it comes back to not trusting Danny Ainge to have things locked down. Do you really think? that Danny Ainge wouldn't have a plan for whether Kyrie's coming back or not? you think Danny Ainge wouldn't plan for uh, the possibility of Anthony Davis versus the, the possibility of a KD versus the possibility of not having Kyrie at all? He's got all these scenarios worked out, and, and all these fans are just going absolutely bonkers. And I just think it's, it's a lot of unwarranted speculation, but I shouldn't be surprised because it's Boston. Boston sports <laughs> fans in general are like that. Yeah, it's like the first... First of every football season, when the Patriots are two and two, people are lined up on the bridge to jump off. You know, oh, it's crazy, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, you've seen this movie twenty times before now. When you're talking about the Patriots, this is what always happens. They've only come out in their twenty-year run now. I believe it's only three times, or maybe four, that they've had a four and zero record after four games. Most of the time, they're either two and two or three and one. Uh, one time, they were one and three. Um, out of these 20 years. And so people forget. It's so easy for them to forget the pattern, what's happened over the years, and they always think, oh, well, this is the year that, that they can't do that. What has proven 
to these people that that can't happen. What what proof do you have that Danny Ainge isn't going to figure something out and make this team a true title contender the next couple of years? What makes you think that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady aren't going to figure it out and make the team better by the end of the season? Because there's nothing to prove your point. It, it blows my mind. <laughs> Well, switching over to baseball, because I'm excited, because pitchers and catchers have reported. Absolutely. It, what are the early storylines out of Red Sox training camp? Well, the, the closer position is obviously going to dominate, because it's really the only, the bullpen, sound familiar from last year, <laughs> the bullpen is really the only place where they didn't bring every single person back to their position, right? Um, they, they brought, they even brought back the pieces they acquired midseason last year. Uh, in Steve Pierce and Nathan Evaldi are the big ones. But uh, without you have no Joe Kelly and you've got no Craig Kimbrell. So two of your, your back four, essentially, are gone. And so that's really dominated the conversation. Jason Mastrodonato this week had a really nice piece on uh, Carson Smith. Remember him? Uh, yeah. He of throw the glove against the wall and throw his shoulder out to him. Um, he's, uh, uh, he was let go at the end of the year. Uh, last year, at the end of uh, when, when uh, non-tenders uh, came out, uh, he didn't latch on anywhere else. He still got some rehab to go. He probably wouldn't be able to pitch again until July or August. But they did bring him back on a minor league deal, and he's going to continue to rehab with the Red Sox. Uh, when he was playing uh, for the Red Sox, he was a really good pitcher uh, for them, and they're still uh, holding out hope that maybe end of this year he's a back into this rotation. There's also uh, the, the news come out this week um, that they don't want to carry three catchers this year, that they only want to carry two catchers. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they, they work. Uh, that situation with, of course, Sandy Leon, Christian Vazquez, and Blake Swihart all back. Um, the rumor out there from a couple of reports is that they want to go get some depth starting pitching, maybe a top AAA guy uh, or a back end of the rotation kind of guy uh, for that catching uh, uh, piece, so it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. Uh, but for the most part, it's kind of low-key. David Price was you know, his normal joking David Price self yesterday. Uh, Pedroia is available today, so we'll see what comes out of that. Um, uh, they're, of course, uh, looking at what he can do now as a 35-year-old or 36-year-old uh, uh, second baseman coming off of uh, two, essentially two missed seasons uh, at this point. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But those are some of the, the major storylines. Otherwise, though, Everybody seems to be in great shape. Uh, everybody seems to be uh, ready to go. Chris Sale was a fantastic interview a couple of days ago. I don't know if you guys have heard, had a chance to hear that sound uh, from him, but he really sounds like a leader and someone that wants to be with this team long term, which is good news considering he's a free agent after this coming season. Yeah, you mentioned um, the closer situation. Kimbrell still a free agent. Where do you think he uh, ends up? That's a good question. I mean, Atlanta would make the most sense in all of this, but it's, they have a youth movement going on there, so it'll be interesting to see if they want to spend any money on a guy that's, that's expected to make money. Although, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a symptom, or not a symptom, he's a, he's a unfortunate, he's been caught up in this, this free agency problem that we're having in the game right now where uh, you've got 100 free agents that haven't signed anywhere. Everybody is waiting for the big chips to set the market and nobody seems to be willing to spend the money to set the market with a Harper or a Machado. And so everybody else uh, who's looking for a paycheck, who's a free agent, who's a serviceable, sometimes even average to above average MLB player, isn't signing anywhere because teams are waiting to see who signs where at the top end. 
so it's kind of everything's kind of stuck there um, right now. So Kimbrel's kind of caught up in that as well. I don't know that he's going to end up anywhere. Uh, he's certainly not going to end up, I don't think, in the AL East. Um, I, I can see him being a guy that, that gets money from a National League team that needs a strong arm but that also isn't afraid. National League teams, by and large, are less worried about uh, switching out uh, pitchers and, and pinch hitters late in games a lot. They do so with more frequency than in the American League, so I can see him ending up with an NL team for that reason. Oh, you, you touched on that because, obviously, the lack of the DH in the National League. Um, there's been talk about a universal DH down the road. What are your thoughts on that possibility? I, I wouldn't mind it. You know, I'm indifferent about it. I think, you know, the baseball purists are, oh, my goodness, we can't have everything <laughs> the same. And, and it to me, you know, if, if they get it, I wouldn't be any more upset or, or relieved uh, than if they didn't do it. it would, to me, it, would, it doesn't make a difference. Um, I think... If you want, I think it would ultimately for the better. I think it would make the game better overall. Uh, I don't think it would increase batting averages or anything like that. All that kind of the, the batting average, uh, the average batting average uh, in the American League is only two points better than in the National League. So the DH really isn't doing much in that realm. Uh, what it does do is it protects your investment on pitchers. I think that's the biggest thing, and that's why ultimately I think the owners are going to win on it is because of the money. Right, it's, it's it's all about the money, and if you're going to pay a pitcher uh, twenty million dollars a year to pitch, and he gets hurt rounding a base, uh, all it's going to take is one really big name National League pitcher, one more, to have that happen to him before before the owners say, okay, enough's enough. We're spending twenty five million dollars on this guy uh, to pitch. Uh, we don't need him running the bases and getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, and you touched on the free agent situation earlier, and Kimbrel's just waiting for the two guys to set the market Machado and Harper I mean at this point it's just absurd I mean everyone should be in camp right now not waiting and last year yeah we had kind of the same thing happen we didn't happen with like two superstars like we're having it this year which I find kind of baffling well especially when the owners are making so much money it's absurd right everyone's gotten the money it's, 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 it's that, there's that but also there's a feeling by the owners and I think it's on both sides but there's a feeling by the owners and I don't necessarily disagree with this that the, the, you know, you've got, you've got and this is a, a bigger socioeconomic problem, and we don't really have time to get into this, nor probably do listeners want to get into, into this on this show, but you've got school teachers making $35,000 a year, and you've got Manny Machado making $300 million. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's a sense of some people in some circles that, that use that as, as an extreme example of, of that, uh, and, and, the, and the problem with salaries, the problem is, on the, on the flip side, the owners are still making money hand over fist also, and so the players want their share of the money that's being generated by their performance. And I also completely understand that. Yeah, they. I was just going to say the owners aren't lowering the ticket prices for those teachers, so, you know, no, it's, and, it's and a game. No, and you're absolutely right, and that's what I'm saying. There's two sides to that, but the, there's optics there that say, uh, and, and one of the, the reasons why some people are actually supporting the players, excuse me, the owners on this, when they shouldn't be, is because they look at that and say, well, why are they making so much money? Uh, and the numbers just keep going up and up and up, and that's because the profits keep going up and up and up, right? And so I think owners are just trying to put their foot down in terms of the, of the, the, uh, the salaries. And uh, you saw with J.D. Martinez last year, right? J.D. Martinez was the guy that uh, signed late, uh, two weeks or well, a week and a half into camp. Uh, and you might see the same thing here with these guys. Uh, no one doubts that they're not going to be ready, that they're going to be ready to play. 
so that's not an issue. But I would be concerned if I'm uh, the agent or the team concerning the other 85 free agents that are out there. What shape are they going to be in? Are they going to be ready to go? Uh, and uh, some of these teams have holes to plug that need serviceable major leaguers that are still out there as free agents. So what else right now at the Boston Herald? What are you guys working on for this uh, upcoming weekend and then next week here? Well, the, uh, we've, got, we've, passed, we've gone through. We had a great feature this past week on Robert Williams III. If, uh, if anybody has a chance to go back over to our website and check that out, it was a nice long-form piece from Mark Murphy uh, talking about uh, where, where, where Time Lord came from, uh, where, where Robert Williams uh, got his start down in Vivian, Louisiana. It's a really great story. Uh, talked to a lot of people down there in Louisiana about what, uh, uh, where he came from, what his, uh, his background is, and then uh, what he needs to do and what his family thinks he needs to do to kind of shake this whole Time Lord this moniker and also move forward to be a better uh, player uh, in the National uh, Basketball Association. So we had that this week, which is, I thought was a phenomenal piece by Murph. Um, going forward, uh, we've got uh, a lot of spring training stuff coming through. Uh, we have uh, this weekend our Patriots uh, writers postulate uh, the, the wide receiver position is wide open right now for the Patriots, uh, given that uh, not only was it fairly weak this season despite winning the Super Bowl, but also Dorsett and Hogan and Cordero Patterson are all free agents, uh, all can leave. So what the Patriots do at the wide receiver position is going to be interesting. We've got that on Sunday uh, as well. Uh, and then going into next week, we have a series that we're going to do probably late next week or early into the week after that. Uh, on gambling in sports. And uh, Massachusetts, of course, uh, on the cusp of uh, voting on legalizing sports gambling here in the next six months or so. Uh, so we'll see uh, uh, if that comes to fruition. But we also have, we're going to have a series looking at, if it does, what it means for uh, the major league sports. Of course, the uh, MLB uh, and NFL are in bed with some of these companies. Uh, of course, DraftKings uh, partially owned by uh, the Kraft family. So there's a lot of synergy there when it comes to sports gaming uh, and, the, and the pro sports. And we're going to kind of look at what that means for those who have been blackballed from the sport because of sports gaming. Does that give them new life? Uh, uh, or at least in public perception, does that change things? Uh, it'll be very interesting. And I'm very, very much looking forward to Michael Silverman coming out with that piece in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Of course, up here in Maine, we're all about the high school basketball tournament right now. We actually are broadcasting Kennebunk versus Levitt at the uh, Portland Expo tonight at 6 o'clock on 92.7. We were talking about how Levitt boys basketball, um, we can't remember, and Coach Wing can't remember the last time they were this, I mean, if they've ever been this good. They're 15-3 and three this year. I don't know if you remember any time they were any, they were any good at basketball, but they they're really had a breakthrough season this year. Yeah, no, Levitt has done great. Uh, coach Hathaway is, is a great coach, but um, the, the biggest thing for them, and they've had this class of, of, of young men, uh, on that team coming through, um, this class has been solid at every level at both football and basketball since fourth grade together, uh, this group of, of, of young men. And they're really showing now, um, of course, one of those stars is Coach Hathaway's son, uh, who is also the quarterback for the, for the football team. But that group of kids is really solid. And uh, I knew it was coming. I wasn't sure the timing of it all. But for the last four, five, six years, uh, and you can ask Randy next time you have him on, uh, we've been hearing about this uh, through the kind of like the, the rumblings in the, in the, in the, uh, the woods of Turner, right? <laughs> but um, you, you knew it was coming, and, and it's really nice to see them get a, a shot at this. Now, are they 
Uh, are they going to be able to make a run? Uh, they're a really tough class. They don't play a lot of the teams that they're going to see in the tournament, so it'll be interesting to see how they cross over. But this team isn't going anywhere, and they're 15-3 and three this year. They're going to be just as good, if not better, next year. Um, they're, they're a youth-driven team, uh, and whatever experience they take out of the tournament this year, you know they're going to apply it to next year as well. So uh, that's a great story. There's always great storylines uh, during tournament time. This is, uh, this is the first year that I'm going to miss this tournament in 15 years, and I'll tell you what, uh, I will absolutely miss it. It's, it's a thrill. It's an adrenaline rush. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of work that goes in by a lot of journalists this week. From, uh, from the Sun Journal, but also from Maine Today, uh, media entities up at the KJ, the Sentinel, down in Portland, uh, and, and the smaller guys as well in Brunswick and in, in Biddeford. Uh, they do such a great job covering this thing. Uh, they, you know, they become tournament widows to their families, uh, whatever their family situation happens to be. Uh, you, you, know, you put 70, 80, 90 hours of work in this week, but it's also much worth it for the coverage of this event uh, and uh, also for... Uh, you know, the parents, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the brothers, the sisters who get to see their uh, relatives and their friends highlighted like this. It's really a truly a, a good thing. And I love they started doing this a few years back that all the uh, the major Maine Today and Sun Journal entities drop their uh, their paywalls so that people can enjoy the coverage for free. I think it's just fantastic work by all around. And uh, I'm going to miss this tournament this year. It's going to be fun to follow from afar, but I'm going to miss being a part of it. What's maybe your favorite memory from covering the tournament? Oh, good Lord. Uh, <laughs> this is so many. I mean, I, for, for the last six years, of course, I was basically in the office. I didn't ever go hmm. much to the tournament itself. I was, I was a lot of times I was a coordinator, and then earlier on before that, while I followed the tournament quite closely and was a part of some of the early coverage, a lot of what I did was cover up all the other stuff that's during tournament week that people sometimes tend to forget about, the skiing championships. I always you know, spent four or five days on the mountain covering the skiing championships. And, and uh, the extra hockey games, uh, the regular season ends up, it's usually a pretty co- couple of pretty good hockey games that end out the season. It was always, Lewiston Waterville was always traditionally uh, a tournament week uh, finale. Uh, it's been Lewiston Bangor, uh, St. Dom's Bangor. There's always usually some really good hockey games, too. So I was kind of the guy that picked up the slack uh, a lot of times during tournament week. Uh, but from following it, I mean, honestly, last year having seen EL win double state titles, uh, was just a phenomenal uh, time. Um, I, Lewiston's run when they had Isaiah Harris on their team uh, in the tournament a few years, uh, several years back, was a really fun run to watch. Uh, they really had no business going as far as they did, and they just really wheeled themselves uh, into that uh, into that final. Um, the the EL championship that wasn't uh, right. when they when they uh, lost uh, to the Indiana faithful team. Uh, was a great run to watch. Uh, any any team that had uh, our buddy Troy Barney's on it was always fun to watch. Um, you know, so some of those are, are are you know the better memories that I've got. There's been so many good ones though. A year ago, the girls the, the girls run um, of, of all those consecutive regional and state titles that the Deerigo girls had uh, was just a treat to watch. And Gavin Kane was just a master with those teams. Uh, you know, some I mean the Winthrop run a couple of years back. I mean, there's just been so many really good games to watch. The Poland, one of my favorite moments was the Poland Knights, who have never really had a tradition of being the top uh, program, even in the Western Maine Conference, of course, uh, but never mind the statewide. Uh, that gutsy run they made uh, a few years back now, several years back, uh, I remember every every game that they won was just it was just electrifying, and, and that was another, another one. It was just, there's just so many of them. He is the sports editor of the Boston Herald, Justin Pelletier. Find him on Twitter at 
jpel915. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning on the B-List. Really appreciate it. You got it. Hey, uh, uh, enjoy the next couple of weeks of, of, of the tournament time. And uh, uh, while I do look forward to having Maddie back, it's been a pleasure dealing with you. Uh, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll run into each other again sometime soon.